0: This morning I talked about just this process of being aware beginning to familiarize ourselves we begin to become familiar with the various processes that happen in our experience and I uh, used Sayadaw's um, use of understanding the job description of various functions and processes in our minds. And we understand the job descriptions of the reactive emotions. And this helps us to kind of recognize this process is just its thing, doing its thing. It's got its it's got its agendas, it's got its things it does, and we can begin to see, wait, this is just a process at work. That helps us to disidentify, to kind of stop being so caught up in it, stop taking it so much as, this is me, I am this miserable person, I am this angry person, I am this great person, whatever, whatever it is. And also, I pointed to, as some of the reactive emotions begin to fall away, we might also start to begin to recognize some of the processes just of being human. What are the processes of mind that just go on? And that's what I'd like to explore in, the, in, this, uh, in this time with you. These processes of life, of human life. The very name for these processes sounds kind of technical. The five aggregates. Well, aggregate isn't a word that we like use very often. So it, uh, it kind of has this forbidding sound or something. And um, the Pali term that this is translating, kanda. I understand was actually kind of an ordinary word at the time of the Buddha. It basically meant bundle. Or heap, or something like that, or in the Pali language, it's got this ordinary connotation. Um, Sally Armstrong says that, or, or used the analogy of, it's you know, you you would talk about, for instance, a kanda of sticks, a bundle of sticks, or a, you know, a, a kanda of rocks, a pile of rocks, or something like that, and Sally says it's basically stuff made of other stuff. And this pile, it's there. It seems like a thing, but it's made of other stuff. And the bundle is a kind of a thing, but it's made of other stuff. And so the aggregates is kind of stuff made of other stuff. And um, So thinking of, from that perspective, I think the term aggregate is actually a reasonable translation um, it's it's um, if we think of what the word means in terms of the geology, you know, aggregate rock is a rock that's made of other rock, so it's just this kind of agglomeration conglomeration of stuff and so the this uh, this teaching is basically um, the Buddha's kind of exploration or description, let's say, of the processes of mind and body. You know, the processes that are happening in our in our experience. There are other ways one could cut up this proce- these processes and talk about them in different ways. This is this is the this is a way that the Buddha talked about our you know, what's happening in our minds and our bodies. So he broke them up into five, five groups, five groups of stuff. And we've talked about these, I've, I've talked about each of these in, in over the course of most of the whole retreat. So this is kind of just, re- in, in some ways, reviewing information that we've talked about, but in a kind of more structured form. So these five are the body, body, form, the physical aspect of experience, feeling, the uh, whether we feel experience is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Perception, the recognizing function of experience, which we've talked about in terms of Noticing, in particular, the distinction between um, an experience of sight or sound, just the bare experience of sight or sound, and then the mind recognizing what that sight or sound is. That's the perceptual process at work. Then the knowing process. There's this kind of bare knowing of experience, contact of sense experience, bare kind of knowing. And then there's what's called mental formations which is sometimes called volitional formations and it it has to do with the intentional volitional choice aspect of our experience Now these are the five that the Buddha kind of identified and in some w- I'll say one more thing about them first They're described in the suttas, all these five. They're described in two ways. Each one is described as um, a process. Feeling feels, perceiving perceives, knowing knows. And then it's also descri- and uh, um, volitional formations form things. Um, the body experiences form. So it's it's described as a process, but also at times it's dis- the each aggregate is described as essentially the results of those processes. So the process of feeling feels and it feels experience of pleasant, experience of unpleasant, experience of neutral. The process of perceiving perceives and at times the the uh, perception is talked about in terms of what is perceived. So these processes, these, these um, or these aggregates are used to both describe what we experience and how we experience. It's both a process and the kind of the results of that process both sides. The reason or I, I think the the, the the teaching around these aggregates isn't just like putting it out there to say this is, this is interesting information the uh The teaching around the aggregates is um, that the the Buddha pointed to these areas of our experience as being places where we tend to congeal a sense of self, and so the uh, exploration of these processes helps us to understand how we um kind of mistakenly insert an idea of I, or me, or mine into the process. So the exploration of these aggregates is useful. He didn't just teach it because he thought it was interesting. He taught it, he taught it because it helped, it was, it's kind of this lens or this way of observing experience, a way of understanding experience that helps to highlight the selfing process that happens in our minds. I-making and my-making is the language used that the Buddha used. That these aggregates, each of these aggregates tends to be a magnet for I-making and my-making. And so we'll just, I'll briefly review each of these five and then talk a little bit about how we can begin to explore this process of selfing. It's a very powerful process in our minds, this process of selfing. Um, One that is often clouded with delusion, so essentially we believe this process of selfing to be something real. We take that process of selfing to be a thing and so much Um, The reason that the Buddha talked about this is that so much of the way we suffer is rooted in this basic delusion that this process, which is a natural process, this process of I-making and my-making, and the process itself isn't particularly an issue when it's understood as just being a process, But the delusion around it, that it is uh, when that process happens, we take it to be real, true, a representative of "This this is me, this is who I am. And so much suffering occurs from that mistake. So this is the reason why the Buddha talked about selfing talked about exploring selfing and talked about the aggregates as a helpful way to begin to recognize how the selfing happens. So body, we've explored a lot about the body. Form, rupa, form. The um, form is described in the process sense as that which is affected by the world so the process of form is the kind of the subjective sense of physical experience the uh the uh, kind of the what of form so the the uh the how of form is that this body experiences there's the tactile field that experiences, there's the sight field that experiences, so that's the process nature of form. And then there's the what is experienced, sounds, sights, smells, tastes, body sensations, tactile. So form includes both, both of those. The mental aggregates, so the the one piece about these processes is that there's four of these five describe mental processes. So this really is in, and in many ways since this is a retreat about mindfulness of mind this is one of the key teachings that, that in which the Buddha described processes of mind. So the f- one of the aggregates is the process of body but the other four are mental processes. And so this is the Buddha starting to tease apart, how does this mind work? What are the processes that happen in the mind? Different functions of mind, essentially. These four uh, uh, offer just different functions in the mind. And as I was talking this morning, each of these functions has its own purpose. So those, these four mental aggregates: feeling, perception, consciousness and volitional formations. So feeling, the process of feeling, recognizing, sensing, pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. The, uh, that's the, the, the "how," that there is this process that, that does this. Feeling feels. And it what does it feel? It feels pleasant, it it feels unpleasant, it feels neutral. So again, the distinction between process and uh, result of process. Then perception. We've explored perception again several times during the course of the retreat. It's this process of recognition. It's a function of the mind that knows how to recognize. It's like, we don't, have to, we don't have to do this. And I've talked about, you know, how babies being learning machines, you know. And we don't have to sit down with babies and instruct them. How do you begin to recognize things? They are recognition machines. They begin to discern and discriminate and recognize mom from dad and, uh, you know, um... um Food, I think they learn food pretty fast, too. you know it's like just various uh, things are perceived and recognized certain certain things may begin to be perceived as dangerous you know they they touch something and get a shock or something, and very quickly the mind will perceive that and recognize that as something to um, something you know dangerous so the the recognition function happens that. So this is a function of our minds. We don't have to try to do this. It's not a problem that our mind does this. It's it's like the shortcut creating process, in effect. You know, if I had to walk in here every day and figure out that all of you were individual people and figure out that all of the stuff on the floor was Zabutans and that I should walk between... If I had to do that consciously... It would be exhausting. So the process of perception is essentially a process that makes, I I think of it as a process that that reduces the amount of energy that we have to use (laughs) to navigate the world in an ordinary way. So it's very useful. It's very useful that I come in here and automatically, as I look out, see people sitting here. I don't have to try to do that. So it's very sophisticated. This uh, this aspect of perception, you know, it's it's it uh, it goes from kind of the bare. It's got levels to it. So this this thing may be uh, perceived as brown and round or bowl shaped, and then so that's one level of perception. Another level of perception is um, that it's a bell. You you don't have to think, oh, it's brown, it's round, what is it, oh, 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 it's a bell. It just happens like that, it's just automatic. You've seen bells enough that you know this is a bell. So it's it's kind of a pattern matching process, this process of perception. And as I, I mentioned in the delusion talk, And in a moment, I'll talk a little bit about how delusion enters in each one of these. And this is where the selfing happens is that we, uh, you know, we mistake or believe that what we're perceiving is the reality. I, I gave the bat and pig story. Remember that bat and pig story where I thought the squealing sound was a pig being slaughtered? and then recognize some days later it was a bat. So the mind believed its perception of that. And so the delusion can enter in and have us believe that what we pr- are perceiving is reality. And this is where some of the problems come in around perception. Some of the confusion, the delusion, enters in around perception. Then consciousness is just as process, bare process of knowing. In the, in the suttas it's described as there's six kinds of consciousness, six classes of consciousness. There's seeing consciousness, smelling consciousness, hearing consciousness, tongue consciousness, body consciousness, tactile consciousness, and mind consciousness. That each sense base, there's the organ, the, s- the eye, and then there's sight, and then there's this meeting, and in the meeting of the eye and sight, there's a consciousness. So that's, uh, that's just this bare simple, like just really simple knowing at each of the sense bases. So consciousness is a very bare process of knowing. Uh, Saito Utegeniya says sometimes this process of knowing is a little bit stupid. It just meets and knows, meets and knows, meets and knows. There are different perspectives on the knowing. Uh, The suttas tend to um, describe it in this very bare way. Some of the commentaries describe it as having more discerning capacity. And so consciousness, just this process of knowing. So feeling, perception, consciousness, these three to me are kind of how we navigate the world. How we take in information, it's like sights happen, smells happens, feels um body sensations happens. We feel them, we perceive them and recognize we, well we actually we know them and feel them, and then we recognize them. It's those two we what we feel, what we uh, what we know, we feel, what we feel, we perceive, and those three kind of really function very closely together to help us navigate the world. They're just kind of the the, the navigate, I think of those as the navigating functions of our life. They help us to recognize what's happening, feel into it, is it, is it pleasant, unpleasant, is it, uh, what is it? So that's those three to me really work together to allow us to navigate the world. Then the fourth process, volitional formation, this is a is a kind of a complex process i'll take a little time to talk about this one it is understood both to be you know the volitional formation sometimes uh, is understood to be like okay well there's feeling there's perception there's consciousness everything else that happens in the mind is volitional formation you know that's a lot of stuff thoughts emotions Ideas, beliefs, agendas, all states of mind, mindfulness itself, concentration, experience of love, generosity, those are all volitional formations. So this is a big category. It's, it's a lot of stuff. So there's a lot of uh, exploration we can do here. So the, that's one way that volitional formations are explored as being the the mind states, the pro, the the you know the thoughts, the f- uh, the um, agendas, the views, the beliefs. Those when we w- when we recognize our mental experience, this is a lot of what we see. As we settle back and notice, this is a huge part of what we see. All of the um, the reactive emotions c- come into this category. So when we're observing. Uh, reactive emotion. When we're observing anger, we're observing a volitional formation at work. We're getting to know its job description. We're getting to know how it works, how it impacts the mind. This, um, in terms of the process side of it, so that's the the what side of things we observe what's happening in our minds and we see the reactivity we see the wholesome mind states we see um um, states of um concentration or we see uh, ideas and beliefs so we see all of that the process of volitional formation um to me, when I read this one little bit of the sutta, it was like a whole bunch of lights went on. It's like, oh, right, I see. He describes, the Buddha describes this process as being that which shapes our experience. So in the, in the description, he says, what does it shape? Volitional formations shape things. Or we could say volitional formations form things. It's a little confusing that the word formation is kind of like the form of of body. So let's set that aside. It's not, we're not talking about that. It's just like, we could call them the shapers. Volitional shapers. So these these processes of mind shape our experience. And the suttas say, what do, do these processes shape? They shape the experience of body. They shape the experience of feeling. They shape the experience of knowing. And they shape the experience of shaping. They shape the experience of perceiving. So let's take an example to kind of make sense of this shaping process that volitional formations have. Think of something like anger, a volitional formation. Well, volitional, so let me just back up for a second. The volitional formations are basically those um, arisings, those mental arisings that include some kind of intentionality, some kind of forward momentum, uh, some kind of choice or um, activity doing it may not be conscious doing but if we if we think about you know ideas and uh, agendas and um, reactive states they have an element of um, intention to them you know, when there is a a, um, a reactive emotion arising in the mind, there's an intention associated with it. An intention t- towards um, separating. As I said this morning, you know, like the job description of aversion is to separate. So when aversion arises, the intention is towards separation. So the each of these... Um, volitional formations has some intentional activity behind it and it is that intentional activity which is the shaping uh, mechanism let's say it's the thing that shapes so let's take an example so anger arises this uh, how does it shape the body when anger arises We sometimes recognize that when anger arises we see perhaps we know in fact when other people are angry because of certain distortions of face. So anger shapes the body. It also uh, potentially shapes the inner experience of the body. In my own experience when anger arises there's a feeling of pressure and heat that comes in the torso. Again, a body experience. So, anger, the volitional formation of anger shapes the body, impacts the body, forms some, creates something new in the body. How does anger shape the experience of feeling? I would say generally, when anger is arising, very often what is experienced is unpleasant. So it shapes the uh, feeling process towards unpleasant. The feeling of anger itself is unpleasant. then how does it shape perception? How does it shape how we recognize things? When we're angry... that... I've been talking about filters, you know, that that essentially that anger may be a filter, like a filter on our experience, And that filter, through that filter, we start perceiving things according to the agenda of that filter. So if we are angry, we may start perceiving somebody else's actions as hostile or threatening, as an example. So, Again, just simple examples I'm trying to to uh, elucidate how this volitional formation shapes our experience. And so we we see somebody's actions, maybe they're walking towards us quickly. You know, if we were just in a state of calm and ease, we might look up and say, oh, that person's walking quickly. If we're in a state of anger, we might interpret it that the perception of it is, again, you know, it, the perception of it be that person has, has something, you know, against me. So there's this, the, the way we're perceiving comes through this filter of anger. And our consciousness gets distorted. The very knowing faculty gets distorted by these filters. Remember the other day when we ta- when I talked in the delusion talk, I gave the example of the, of uh, the gorilla in the um, in the video, with the basketball game, how that agenda shaped the uh, whether the people saw the gorilla or not. That's a kind of essentially um, it's kind of like the the lenses, the filters that we see through allow some things to be perceived by this consciousness and other things not. So we we are aware of certain things and unaware of other things. Then, how does uh, volitional formation? How does uh, this shaping process shape more shaping? <laughs> how does the volitional formation shape volitional formation? Anger tends to construct more anger. So we can see how powerful, I think volitional formations is a really powerful um, understanding to have, to, to see how these, what we, what, what is arising in our mind, how it shapes the rest of our experience. So, something like a reactive emotion is arising in our mind, it shapes our experience in these ways. If metta, if love is arising in our minds, very different shaping is happening. When mindfulness and wisdom are arising in our minds, very different shaping is happening. We are shaping more understanding, shaping more... uh, Mindfulness. So that's just a brief description of these five aggregates. And as I said earlier, the the Buddha talked about these not just because he thought they were interesting, but because they tend to be the ways that we congeal. And they're, they're processes of mind that we often, where delusion often enters into. So, a couple pieces. One, that we start to recognize these processes just as processes. When we see that feeling feels and knowing knows and perceiving perceives and volitional formation shape, we begin to recognize that these processes are just simply happening. They're tumbling along. We recognize the... uh, conditioned nature of these processes. And we begin to recognize that, you know, when we are congealing self, that it's around these processes, it tends to be around these processes. So what are some of the ways that um, delusion creeps in to these processes? the Buddha used some analogies to help us understand the delusional nature of these, or the way that delusion can easily obscure the, uh, the process nature of these aggregates. And, and his, his analogies are pretty amazing. So I want to also take some time to go through these analogies. So the first um, the process of body, he said, is like a mass of foam, and you know the, the the mass of foam he was talking about was like the foam that floats on a river, you know. There's or or on the ocean. You know, if you go to here, if you go to the ocean, you can see this. The, there's just this kind of churning up of um, organic material that becomes these lumps of foam. And those lumps of foam kind of sit on the surface of the water, and on a river they just kind of sit on the surface of the water and float down the river. And from a distance, it looks like something substantial. It looks like something you could pick up, and you know maybe you actually can sort of pick it up. But when you when you go up to it and start to pick it up, you see it's just these little bubbles. It's just going to, it's just going to dissolve in your hands when you try to pick it up. And so this is a kind of delusional nature of form it's really just this like little bubbles of uh, sight and sound and smell and taste and touch and these little popping bubbles of experience not a lot of solidity there and yet the delusion is that there's a lot of solidity to our experience and this is again this is an exper- this is about experience here not some sort of statement about, um, you know, whether whether this body is like really here or not. The Buddha really was interested in the experiential side of things. He really was interested in the phenomenon, and so the experience of body. When we experience the body, is solid. That's usually because we are experiencing it through some idea, some concept of the body. I, mean t- I took you through the exploration of hand and the experience of hand the other day and how, you know, the, when we think about the concept of hand, it, it creates a little more sense of something being there. But the experience itself is just these little changing sensations. So, this is the analogy around body, that we mistake the uh, the experience of body as being something solid. I guess I could actually say that uh, you know particle physics or physics actually agrees with this in terms of the actual reality of our <laughs> uh, you know, form that Largely, what we are is space, and it's just rapidly vibrating uh, molecules and atoms that create this sense of solidity. But what's there is mostly space. So that's that's the analogy around the body. It's like a mass of foam. And again, remembering that each of these analogies uh, helps us to see the way in which we mistakenly give substance to these processes. So the second, the feeling, uh, the, ex- the, uh, the analogy around feeling. Feeling, he says, is like a bubble that floats on the surface of the water. And so again, it's um, you know, very ephemeral but it, it it appears to be there. You know, it's got a shape, it's got it's got a form, it hangs out for a little while. But it, it has no inherent substance as as it, you know, it's so a little p and it'll pop. Or it'll just pop on its own. It's got its life, it stays for a while and it pops, it goes. Uh, to me, the, the feeling analogy is kind of about the lingering. You know, when we look at bubbles on the water, they linger for a while and then they go. So the lingering quality of feeling gives us a, where the delusion enters in. We feel that feelings linger, but they're actually very rapidly changing. In perception, the Buddha says, perception is like a mirage. This one I find to be really helpful as I began to actually do some research on what mirages are. I mean, sometimes we think of mirages as just being something that's not there. You know, we have this use of the word mirage as being, you know, something that's not there. But an, an actual mirage, and I'm sure that the, the Buddha was aware of this, an actual mirage is um, where there's, there's, like for instance, there's sometimes a mirage... Uh, over, if you're looking out at the ocean, there can might be a ship just be on the other side of the horizon, just on just down beyond the horizon. But if certain conditions are met, the where the light is and how much water vapor is in the air, you may see it as if there's a ship floating in the air. This is this is a mirage, or the kind of classic mirage of seeing water in the desert. The, cl- that the, the explanation for that is not that just like you're so thirsty that you want to, to see water and you see it, but actually because the, the, um, the, the heat in the air, whatever water vapor there is or isn't in the air, is reflecting the sky on the ground. And so it looks like there's a pool of water on the ground because it's a reflection of the sky. So what this mirage is, it's reflecting something that's there. It's a reflection of something that exists. And likewise with perception. Perception is a reflection of what's out there in a way. It's like my seeing you out there. You know, I'm seeing you sitting out there. But what's, what's actually happening is there's a perception in the mind that's a reflection of something that is out there. I, I have no way to touch into what's really out there. All that I can experience is that reflection. And so the delusive nature of this is how easy it is, like the classic example of the person dying of thirst in the desert and, you know, oh, water, believing the mirage to be reality. Not recognizing it's just a process of conditions coming together that created this illusion. And so likewise, with perception, the, uh, the main area of uh, where delusion creeps in is that we take it to represent, to take it to be reality. We take the perception to be reality, not to be a representation of what's out there. And that's a very um, dangerous uh, misperception. As I, as I, pointed to you know just how easy it is for perception to make a mistake you know perception perception is this process that recognizes and you know sorts things out and it's this shortcut and it's really useful but it's not perfect it's really good it does a pretty good job at helping us navigate the world but it makes mistakes regularly and so When perception makes a mistake and we aren't aware that what we are experiencing is perception rather than the actual thing, we take, we believe, we believe our concepts to be reality. And this is a big area of delusion. talked about this some the other day. Then volitional formations are understood to be like a this is kind of a funny one. A banana tree. Um, a banana tree i I lived in the South Pacific when I was in the Peace Corps, and I got to see banana trees, and they, they the, the the local people actually used the banana leaves to cook with, and so they would regularly cut down a banana tree and you know, uh, pull the leaves apart to use them for cooking. And when you look at what a banana tree is. You know, it's, it's basically, there's a, a big leaf with a long, firm stem. It's got a lot of uh, thickness to it, these stems. And these stems kind of layer on each other. You know, so you've got these this wrapped uh, stems coming together to form the trunk of the tree. And so when you cut down the banana tree and you start pulling the leaves apart, after you've pulled all the leaves apart, there's nothing else there. It's just a bunch of leaves stuck together. So the um, the volitional formations, the kind of delusional nature of of volitional formations that that this points to is that the way, you know, the uh, appearance of solidity comes from things being layered on each other. It looks really solid. I mean, these banana trees can be, you know, trunks can be like four inches across. They're pretty solid. You need a good, strong hatchet to cut them down. But ultimately, it's just this piece, and that piece, and that piece, and that piece, and there's nothing solid about it. Nothing inherent. No trunk there. No heartwood. And so, likewise, with volitional formations, we... um, uh, we have often volitional formation on top of volitional formation on top of volitional formation on top, of, and this whole process creates this sense of some very solid thing. I think this is a lot of where our d- identification happens, this uh, this area of um, the layered nature of you know this this emotion and that emotion and that emotion and that emotion. So it creates these layers, and it feels so solid. And even just anger on top of anger on top of anger, this sh- the shaping the shaping of like anger itself. It's like each construction of anger like adds another layer, another layer, another layer, another layer. And before we know it, it's this really solid mass of anger. But it's simply these processes arising and arising and arising, mistaken to be solid. Then the uh, the, the, the last one, the consciousness, the analogy about this one is um, that consciousness has The delusion of consciousness is like a magician or a conjurer. Some magician, you know, creating some magic show. Creating an illusion of something. Creating an illusion of something that's not there. So this is really the illusory nature. And perception I think of is you know, reflecting something that's there. With consciousness, the delusional piece is like, it's an illusion, it's a dream, but completely believable. So, how do, how, how do I understand this with respect to, um, you know, consciousness is that consciousness is kind of the weaver of our experience it creates this sense of a of an entirety of experience through the way these different strands of consciousness weave together these six strands of consciousness you know all that we uh, what I'm experiencing right now as I look at the back wall is sight I see that I'm not touching it I'm not tasting it. And yet the weaving process of consciousness, and again I think this is really useful. It's a really useful process. The weaving process of consciousness understands, you know, I've experienced enough walls to know that if I like tried to walk through it, I would hurt myself. So the hardness of the wall is, you know, the felt sense of the wall, the, the, you know, when I touch the wall here, that's, that's consciousness, that's contact, that's the contact of, the, of the, um, that sense space. But the weaving piece is like, when I look at that wall, already the mind has woven in the hardness. So I look at that wall and I see hardness. Even though I can't see hardness. So again, it's like this, this weaving of experience that um, pulls together, I look at this as pulling together the threads of experience to make sense of our world. And again, really useful, really useful that this weaving process happens, but not recognizing it as a process is where Our minds get confused. So, I think what I'm going to do, I'm going to just say a little bit more um, to kind of tie up the selfing side. I mean, what I've basically talked about here is just all these processes and to try to talk about them as processes. Um, there's a lot more to explore about with each one how the selfing kind of congeals. And so what I think I'll do is I'll continue that tomorrow. I'll talk about that tomorrow in the Dharma offering. So it's kind of like a two-part talk. (laughs) I had this illusion, this delusion, that I could get through the entire thing today, but I'm only halfway through the talk, so we'll do the other half tomorrow. Um, But one piece I will say is like uh, in terms of the way these processes are woven into this sense of self. What's the relationship of our notion of self to these processes? One um, scholar monk, many of you may know his name, Biku Analyo. He's a he's a great scholar, but also a practitioner. He's. Uh, Quite an amazing being. And um, his statement around these uh, five aggregates and how the selfing happens, he says, mistakenly, the process of selfing takes the body to be where I am. So the body, you know, I'm, I'm in this body. This is where I am. I'm not like somewhere else, I'm not like, you know, outside this body. The place of this is where I am. And so there's this I am sense related to the location of the body. The body is where I am. Feelings are how I am. I'm 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 experiencing pleasant, unpleasant, you know, the 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 kind of emotional l- subtle emotional tone of pleasant unpleasant so we're we're in a state of pleasant or unpleasant and we you know identify it's like that's yep that's how i am i am feeling really bad right now this unpleasant experience so again there's this this identification there is this process of unpleasant feeling happening. I guess another piece I'll say about the selfing process is it's like there's these processes happening. Yes, these processes are happening and we attribute self after the fact. It's like the self the sense of self is an afterthought. It's an idea in the mind. It's a concept actually that happens, attributing attributing something to one of these processes, and so feelings are how I am. We own that. We identify with that. Perception is what I am recognizing. So again, this like uh, that example of the bat and pig. You know, it's like that. I, I, I didn't really see it like this at the time, but there was an identification that, yes, I know this is a pig. This perception is right and it's, you know, I know this. I'm, I'm this, per, I'm, uh, this perception is what I know, what I, what I perceive. And so there was this, this identification of the kind of truth of that perception. So perceptions are what we are recognizing. (coughs) Then mental formations, uh, Analia says, are why I am acting, why we do things, why we take actions, why I am acting. Anger arises, anger conditions action Love arises, love conditions action. Wisdom arises, wisdom conditions action. After the fact we, yeah, I did that. I was the one who, you know, so we create, attribute, a sense of I to that process that is acting. Then consciousness is basically the way I experience. It's, it's a very subtle form of, and actually as we begin to um, see the various layers of selfing in our minds, uh, it's almost like each of these is a, is a, is a um, the, the identification with the reactive emotions is a pretty obvious form of selfing. And when that begins to fall away, we may be just sitting in a space of, you know, receptive, delightful, blissful. And for a while, there's a kind of an attachment and an identification with that bliss, perhaps. Somewhat subtler kind of identification. And then maybe the recognition of, oh yeah, identification with that um, volitional formation of bliss. Oh, that actually, I start looking for bliss and that's suffering. And then that begins to fall away and then there's just this sense of kind of a recognition of knowing. I am knowing. I am. I am knowing. A very subtle form of selfing that isn't so revealed when the the more obvious forms w- are there. And so the um, the identification with knowing being the way I experience things. For me, at some point, I could recognize, yeah, I see that I'm not doing the knowing. I can see it's just a process, but it sure feels like I am the one that is knowing. So this is a kind of subtler form of, of the uh, selfing around this process. In terms of exploration here, um, you know, as we uh, look at our experience, you know, these aggregates, these aggregates are happening. they're just happening. They are the processes that happen. We don't We can't stop them. We don't control them. And yet, Mindfulness can be aware of them. And mindfulness can be aware of the delusion that enters in around these processes. These solidifications and congealings around these processes. So the exploration here, I mean, just so one piece I'll say again here at the end of the talk, that um, this has been a lot of information. And... um, I'd encourage you to forget it. Just don't try to remember it. Just observe your experience. Watch what's obvious. Be present, be aware. And as I said this morning, as we sit in this awareness of awareness, these processes begin to be revealed. We don't have to figure this out and yet hearing hearing about these processes may spark some curiosity may allow you to see something you hadn't necessarily seen before and it's possible too I I spent a period of time where I just held the question how does perception work? You know, I wasn't like, you know, trying to find it, but it's just like, that was my, that was my question. I, I had that question for a couple of weeks in the monastery when I was practicing with Sayadaw. Just like, I'd wake up, it's like, okay, this, you know, this question, this is interesting. How does perception work? And I wasn't like, you know, looking for how it worked, but just as I watched experience, that question just kind of began to show me certain things about The functioning of perception. And so that this this kind of thing might happen you know it doesn't it doesn't have to be um, it doesn't have to you don't have to pick it up you don't have to look for these things you don't have to like try to find these things they they can just be revealed and that's all that we really need to do. The information that I'm offering I'm hoping will allow you to recognize the process nature of what's happening and begin to recognize the ease, ease with which delusion creeps into these processes and begins to confuse us. So, to be continued tomorrow. Thank you.